Today on The Breakdown, it's a cash game showdown between Scott Seaver and Garrett Edelstein from Poker Go, a thing we normally don't do, but we're doing it today on The Breakdown because it's a podcast-only special edition just for you guys, the listeners, the loyal ones. We're going to take this really interesting hand apart right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Jonathan said that this was only for the loyal listeners. Yeah. So that means that if you listen to any other podcast, I don't care what topic it is, turn this off right now. Yeah. You're not wanted. You should know that, though. Yeah. When I said loyal listeners, that was pretty obvious, I thought. But maybe it's good that you made it explicit. Right. And, like, we accept you if you're a loyal listener in that way. But if you want to be a true elite loyal listener, you should have all of our podcasts on loop at all times. I mean, yeah. I mean, that seems like what the normal way to do it would be. You just get one of those, like, you know, the AirPods, so you don't have yeah. like, no wires, obviously. Right, right. And you just have, yeah, the entire library, which you, by the way, can get on Selfie.com. Yeah. So if you're interested in that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you get to listen to the entire library and you just have it on repeat. Yeah. And it's just constant, our voice in your heads. Yep. It's amazing. Until eventually you think that you're insane and it's possible that you might be, you know? <laughs> You can't tell one way or the other, but you know you're listening to the show. Yeah. That's the only thing you That's do know. That's what loyalty means to me. That's the only <laughs> thing that is sane about your life is listening to this show. Right. Everything else feels like insanity. You go to a coffee shop, you buy a coffee, talking to that person, whoa, that's out yeah. of the box. You're like, you think I'm insane. I'll tell you what's insane. Getting up every day at 830 in the morning to go to a job so you can pay for your life every single day. Yep. That's insane. Yep. What's that from? <laughs> That's from Con Air. Not a good right. job, but not a very good it wasn't verbatim or anything, but Steve Buscemi, I think, yeah. said that. Yeah. Kind of, it was a gr- great moment, actually, in that movie. That movie had some good moments, you know? It was surprisingly good for what it was. It had Nicolas Cage with a southern accent and long hair, and somehow it was okay that that happened. Yeah. That was sort of part of that little run of Jerry Bruckheimer movies that were pretty wonderful for what they were. Con Air was one. Um, the one Sean Connery, The Rock, was great. The Rock was good. Yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah, that might be it. But those were two really fun movies. The Rock was great. Did Bruckheimer do any of like the sub movies from that time? The like 90s submarine movies? I those... think he may have done Crimson Tide, yeah, actually. Yeah, that was pretty good. That movie's great. Yeah. Love that movie. That's a little more serious. That's before he was like, oh, I can do anything I want. I'm going to have fun. That was, you know, that's, that's like legit Crimson yeah. Tide. This is a poker podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. And Scott uh, Seaver. Th- that's probably what Graham Hamilton wants to hear. He suggested this hand twice, in fact. Yes. And we did it the second time because on Mother's Day, he said we were his favorite. Did you say poker mothers? He called us his poker moms. Poker moms. I'm going to take that as a compliment, even yeah. though I don't have to. I'll tell you what. Is, I'm going to find a way. Is poker mom the new soccer mom? Poker mom is the new, you know. Hockey dad. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. It's the new. Freaking Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Okay. <laughs> Makes that, perfect that sense. Totally, I totally get what you're saying. I know you get what I'm saying, but do you, you know, I want you to understand it too. I smell it. Close enough. All right, good. <laughs> good. So we, there's this hand that was played, a poker. Uh, do we have to talk about we that? We don't. Let's talk movies. I love movies. Yeah, okay. So um, I, I just saw a new movie. Oh, yeah. I saw say? Revenge. What was that? Um, it's a um, sort of campy, pulpy uh, female revenge tale that is pretty fun and great. I saw it okay. last night. Cool. Yeah. So check that out. Someday maybe I will. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about poker. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So this is a special poker after dark cash game they had. They called it Leave It to Seaver Week, I guess, because Scott Seaver was there. 
Um, it's, it's hard to come up with titles, you know. So I mean, you know, leave it to Beaver. I know. It still, it's like it's just it just rhymes. That's all they have. But whatever, it's whatever, fine. It's fine. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? Anyway, it's a $200, $400 cash game, and the guy who is going to open the action is a guy we've been talking about a lot recently because he plays interesting poker. He just he puts people in tough spots all the time and subsequently puts himself in tough spots all the time as well, and that's Garrett Edelstein, who somehow in this 200 400 game has $675,000 in front of him. Yeah, I, I guess most of that is just money he bought in with, right? This is day yeah. one, but they've been playing for five hours at this point, so I don't really know how much he started. I mean, that's with. more than fifteen hundred big blinds. Yeah, there's no reason for that. That's crazy. I mean, maybe there is. Maybe a really bad player also has fifteen hundred big blinds in front of him. Then there's a lot of reason. Right, but then you'd expect Scott Seaver would have that also, yes. but he doesn't. Right. Yeah. Anyway, Garrett, with his enormous stack, has king six of spades in the cutoff. He's going to open to fifteen hundred. That's fine. Right? You got no problem with that? It's fine. It's not like a great... I don't. I mean, it's right near the bottom of our range here, right? Like, yeah, we're not opening every suited king. I'm, I'm pretty sure there are antis, too, which makes it a little better. Oh, yeah. That does make it better. You're yeah. Right. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, because you're opening that if you're deep in a tournament a lot of the time. Oh, for yeah. sure. For right. sure. Um, so it's at least passable. Okay. Uh, Scott Seaver is in the small blind, and he has the first interesting decision of the hand. He has 133,000, which is a more normal stack for this type of game. Still yes. over 300 blinds, so still very deep. And he has king-queen offsuit, king of hearts, queen of clubs. And I'm sure he knows Garrett's reputation, so you could decide to three-bet with this hand. I mean, I guess a lot of players maybe calling is better, but against Garrett, three-betting seems pretty normal. I think the question comes down to, is Garrett the kind of guy who's just going to four-bet, or is he going to flat a lot? If he's four betting a lot, we should probably call more. Yeah. If he's flatting, we should be three betting more. Yeah. Be- That's unless we decide to like play it for value against a four bet. If, if we think Garrett's going to four bet a ton, that means we're beating his four betting range. I mean, but it's really going to be hard to be win- to win anyway, right? Like, we're, are we going to five bet? If we, not, we're going to flat, be out of position, and like he's going to have the initiative. We're just going to lose a lot. Yeah, that's true. So I think we. So that's the problem. I think we. I think three betting is fine. But we have to believe he's he's got a fairly wide calling range here, which he probably does, is my guess. But I don't really. I, I also I think he probably four bets a lot and calls a lot. We also don't mind if he folds when we're no, in the, that's fine. The small blind with king queen off here. That's totally fine. But yeah. I definitely know he. I've seen him four bet light, obviously, and sure for lots of money. So. Yeah, he does that, and sometimes he's going to four bet light, and it's going to be a better hand than Seavers. Like we've seen him four bet light with ace jack offsuit when he opened it under the gun and Ben Lamb three bet the button. So those positions are like super scary to put multiple bets in po- uh, pre-flop with, and he decided to do it with ace-jack off in that position. I mean, I, I saw him four-bet light for $50,000 against Arpa Pazian at Live at the Bike with ace-five suited. I mean, he's yeah. gonna, he can show up with that stuff. So maybe that's a reason to just call here and be like, well, this guy's going to barrel a lot. It's okay. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Calling is probably the right play. And but, that's, that's what yeah. Scotty, Scotty Seaver says to do. Yeah. That, that brings along Alan Hu in the big blind, who I believe is a wealthy amateur who is mm. here for the game, and he has queen nine offsuit he calls in the big blind. That's totally cool, man. Yep. Good, good job, Alan Who. Everything's fine. The pot is 5500 U.S. dollars, and the flop is queen of diamonds, deuce of clubs, seven of spades, nothing for Garrett, top pair for both Scott and for Alan Who. Whoa, you know what I? You know what people would say about that flop? Uh, it's dry. Kind of parched over here. Yeah, it's a very dry really, flop. Really, like pretty, could use a little, little liquid. Yeah, feeling, refreshment. feeling pretty good as Seaver with this hand, although yeah. with Adelstein's reputation and who closing the action in the big blind, I guess there's more two-pair type hands in play than usual that we might be against. It's queen-seven-deuce? Yeah, 
Like, who has Queen 7 suited in his range, for sure? And Garrett might. Okay, sure. But we block both of those, yeah. too. And probably no one has 7-deuce Probably not. range of any kind. So there's not very many two pairs. Who might have 7-deuce suited? Okay, maybe he does. But but that's, you know, that's not. there's very few of those. No, we have a there's very... There's two combos of that, right? We have I a mean, very good whatever. hand on this board. This is a great example of how sometimes top pair with a good kicker is like a really good hand like this. And yeah. sometimes it's not that great if it's like a a queen... 10-8 board. Then I mean, King-Queen's not as good. Practically, even if you want to give them both Queen-7 suited, which I don't know that we can, but let's... Uh, we just only give it to who. There's two combos of that, right? There's there's aces, there's kings, which we block. There's ace-queen, there's sets of sevens and sets of deuces. That's it. Yeah, we feel pretty safe. Those things are just not going to show up very often. Like, we almost always have the best hand. All right, now I know what your answer is going to be, but I want to ask the question anyway. Should we consider donking as Seaver because of our our hand strength here. Like mm. it's so good on this board and we don't want it to check through and Garrett doesn't give up easy. Checking through isn't as big a problem here as it is for on some other boards where the only card that's a problem for us is an ace. Yeah. Like a king is not a problem for us. Like if we had queen jack, I think we should at least, I don't know if we should check it. We should probably check anyway, but I think like with, with an overcard to our queen, I think it's even easier because we just have like, there's just so few cards that are a problem. So right. I think, I think checking is good, especially the other piece to it, which I think is even more important, is that Garrett is just the guy who's super aggressive. Yeah, he's going to bet a lot of the time. So why? Oh, I mean, we called here. We want to give Garrett a chance pre yep. instead of four, three bet, right? We want to give Garrett a chance to blast off a little bit. So I think we're supposed to check and hope he bets, and then probably just call and go from there. Yep. That'd be my initial thought. What do you I, think? I definitely agree with you. Um, I do, it's something I just want to explore because yeah. three-way pots, especially when you're the small blind and especially when the other players are late position and big blind are interesting times to construct a donking range. And agreed. it's just possible that this board is not ripe for donking at all just because of the dryness. Like usually you need exactly. a wetter board to construct a more balanced range. Like there's, there's just no really bad. There's almost no bad cards on the turn. If it was even queen 10, you know, queen ten six with two diamonds. Now it feels like, wow, there's a lot of cards that are going to kill action or be a problem for me, or I'm going to, you know, I'd rather. And so, and I really don't want to check through. And at the same, this is, at the different. same point though, our, our king queen would not be nearly as high in our distribution on that board as it is on this current That's board, true. which that's a good point. Yeah. Cause I don't think, so I don't think I would consider dunking king queen on that board for that reason. Mm-hmm. Like, but just because as you outlined, it's so hard to have a better hand than king queen on this board. It's actually high enough in our distribution, even though it is, it just you just look at it and you say it's just top pair second kicker that's not a hand you're supposed to take out of position aggressive actions out of flow with but when it's so high in your distribution it's something to consider but at the same time i don't think we should be dunking really ever on this board i think you're probably right i think another question we could ask ourselves if we want to really get go into this is how do i make them how do i make a how do i win a really big pot with this hand yeah and pro, there's there's a few ways right forgetting about um the big blind for a second okay because the big blind I mean, the big one can have us. The big one cannot yeah. have us. I mean, I guess that's true for Garrett. Too. Usually doesn't have us. Though. Right. Usually we have the best hand. The way There are two ways we win the, a really big pot. Forgetting about the big blind, again, just for a second, is Garrett decides to be a hero and call us down, which you know he's capable of. We've seen him sure. do that. Sure. Or Garrett decides to be super bluffy and put a lot of chips in, and we're calling him down. And we know he's capable of that as well. Right. So, then, so to me, those are the two ways. I imagine he's much more, having watched him play now, numerous hands for this show that we're doing, here on the breakdown. Um, while Garrett can be a hero, I would think this is especially the kind of board he's unlikely to have a hero with with 
two eights, one more three ways and all of that, right? Yeah. Like, it just seems very unlikely. So I'd want to, I'd much rather check and give him a chance to blast off. I think we win a really big pot much more of the time by checking, check calling rather than doing anything else. Ah, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I think Garrett is not a guy we want to donk against with a good hand pretty much ever. We want to let him bet. Unless you've got, unless you've been donking against him with some yeah. stuff and then you donk a good hand too. So that way he loses his money. Right. That's fine. Yeah, I agree. But Seaver decides to check and that seems like the right decision. Alan, who also with top pair decides to check as well. Garrett could really check. I mean, his hand is bad. Yeah. He has a backdoor flush draw, I suppose. He does have king six of spades. The seven of spades is out there, but that's the only backdoor he has is queen do seven. It's like, a, it's just a really bad hand. I mean, that's a reason to bet. I mean, honestly, yeah. like you do. And because you have the backdoor flush draw, you have a little bit of equity where certain cards on the turn are going to make it easier to fire again. Like any spade is going to be easier to fire again. True. The king isn't too bad either. We can fire again on that. Um, besides that, if we check, we're pretty much just surrendering. the Yeah, pot. I agree. I, I, and this is like near the bottom of our distribution. It is. The board texture is such that our opponents don't hit it that frequently, exactly. I suppose, which is nice. We're going to get a lot of folds. Yeah. And we do block king queen, which is like the most likely flatting queen out of Scott Seaver right. specifically. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's not it's not an amazing spot, but I think I think betting here is probably something you should be doing with this hand at least most of the time. There's, there's like, we have so many other hands we could put in our check back range, which are no equity hands instead of this, which has a little bit of backdoor equity. Sure. I guess so. I mean, it's, it's, it's all I got. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's, it's fine to check also. Let me be I clear. think it's fine to give up here. Yeah. Like, sometimes things just don't work out. This is this is very marginal. Like, yeah. I think we, like to really know if you're supposed to bet this or not, like at least from a game theory point of view, you'd probably have to like, go off the table, spend 20 minutes, like figure out where all the hands from your range, from your cutoff range go on this board against two players, you know, and then yeah. like, and what the percentage of the hands you should even be betting are against two players, all that stuff. I think it's an easy bet heads up. I think yeah. three ways it's a little bit more questionable. Yeah. I think it's fine though to take one shot. And like if I improve on the turn, cool. If I don't, it's an easy fold, but or easy check back. And by the way, if uh if I get raised, I don't have anything to think about, which is kind of nice. Yeah, easy three bet. Right, of course. Yeah, of course. Nothing to think back about. door, back door. Super simple. Yeah. Um well Garrett decides to bet he bets two K, which is a pretty small bet because it's fifty five hundred in the pot. Yeah. Do you think this is because of the dryness? I do. What do you think? I think probably. Um, there's a lot fewer hands that are in the marginal range for his opponents that they're going to make a decision based on price. Mm-hmm. Maybe ace highs, maybe like some bad ace highs are going to call now that wouldn't have if you bet a more normal size for a cash game. I mean, Scott Seaver's never going to call with ace high, right? Right. So now we just have, so, so we actually use that against Scott Seaver a little bit. Places he would normally call with ace high, he won't be able to with the guy behind him. And then we have an amateur and the big blind, which is cool, and it's a super dry board. Yeah. Any, so any seven. Will, sorry, go ahead. Any seven or better is probably calling us no matter what the size, unless we go bonkers and do like three times the pot. I agree. So, so I like yeah. small. Yeah, that makes sense. You figure we bet here, a lot of times we're going to fold out one, if not both these guys. Hopefully we fold out both enough. We, we need to fold out both, you know, a fair amount, actually, I guess, right? Like, yeah. But I think we do. I mean, we're giving ourselves better than two and a half to one. Right. So that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. We, it doesn't have to work very often. And once in a while, by the way, we do go run or run our spades. Once in a while, we, tr- we hit a spade on the turn, barrel again, and some- they fold. Once in a while, we hit a king, and we're good. You know, there's ways this could work out. Not very many, but there's ways. Well, it's not going to work out on this bet, no. at least, because everyone has top pair. Both have top pair. <laughs> and <laughs> they both call. I don't know if there's much else to do for either player besides just call here. Right. I would think as Scott Seaver, you imagine... Um, what's the guy's name behind him? Alan who? Alan is, uh, is just, you know, going to fold so much of the time. Yes. 
And if Alan has a big hand, he's probably going to raise and we're going to be able to fold our king queen. Yep. So it's going to be very straightforward. Right. Turns out neither of those things are going to happen because Alan has top pair also and he's going to call two. Right. It kind of sucks, says Alan Who, to be over calling here. I mean, it's you have to, obviously. You have. But you're just like, I hope Scott has seven, eight suited. That would be great. You yeah. know? I mean, it's one of those spots where, you know, if it checks through on the turn, you know, you hope Scott checks the river, then you bet and yeah. you get called. That's that's like the dream, right? Because right. then you almost always win. And if Scott bets the river, it's not a great spot, but you probably have to call. Like, how are we really know. doing against Scott's range? I know we have to call, mm-hmm. but how are we really doing against Scott's range here? Like, he has seven, some seven, eight suited, some six, seven suited, probably. Pocket eights, pocket nines, maybe pocket tens. Aren't those very likely three bets against Garrett Adelstein? I mean, so is King Queen in theory. Like, those are those are a little bit more normal three betting hands. I feel like from late position to small blind. I mean, I think they're both from small blind pretty similar. Yeah, yeah. they're both pretty similar in terms of value. And All right, but once we get to tens, we're thinking that's going to three bet a lot, right? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, and we block nines. We block nines. That's true. So really, we're just talking about eights. Yeah, mostly that's true. And Scott can't really have a worse queen than we ever. No, there's no way. So this is an interesting point, but maybe we just feel like, you know what? I have top pair. By the way, I'm rich. I'm closing the action. Yeah. Scott doesn't know what I have. Scott really could have two eights. He could. insane. Yeah. Um, I just have to call. You just have to call once. You just have yeah. to. It's also super cheap. It's 2000 You just have to call. It is. I just want to kind of point out I would definitely call, but I just want to point out this is kind of a poopier spot than it looks like. Yeah, like it would be great if it checked through on the turn. Yeah. Or if it checks to Garrett, he bets small again, Scott folds. Now we can call much more comfortably, right? Yeah. Like it's nice because we're sort of have a, we're in like sort of a beautiful position. You know, even though we're not in position, we sort of are. We're in position to Garrett. Garrett's bet. You know, we get to act last after Garrett bets. We're in a beautiful position. You see what I'm saying? That made right? me think of how people call boxing the sweet science. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Like, kind of like it's that. pristine. Yeah. Um, because like every time Garrett bets, Scott has to act first. Then we get to close the action or do whatever we want to do. So that's that's really useful for this hand in this spot. Yes, I agree. It's another reason to call, although we have more than enough already anyway. Yeah. So like on the turn, we're going to get a lot of information. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Garrett bets again. It's just a little slight poopy. Yeah. Slight poopiness in the spot. Yeah. A uh, place that has no poopiness oh. is Nitrogen Sports Poker Room. That is that is accurate. I don't think they have like a poop emoji as an avatar. They didn't. Because if they do, I would have been lying, and I don't want to lie to the audience. They're always changing it up, though, those guys. And it's one of the things we love about them. So yeah. Maybe they do now. Maybe yeah, it's poop everywhere. Speaking of changing <laughs> it up, they have a new rake structure that is That's among right. the best in the industry. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You can check that out. They have like a article about it on on their site, I think, mm-hmm. where they show you the actual rake structure they're doing and and tell you how it compares to others and and show you that they're capping rakes like based on Bitcoin markets and stuff. And it's yeah, it's all cool stuff. It used to be that you know because it's in Bitcoin that um back when Bitcoin was worth a whole lot, I think the rate could end up being practically high, even though as a percentage of the pot, it was reasonable. Yeah. And so they've actually capped it. So that can't even like from a dollars to Bitcoin point of view, if you're just looking at it and if you're translating it all to dollars right away, yeah. it's still perfectly good and reasonable. Yeah. They, they've just changed that recently to be very competitive on rake. So we think that's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. What's also exciting is our monthly tournament on nitrogen, yes. which is the best. Yes. Okay. It is. <laughs> all right. I'm agreeing. That's all. Well, tell them more. Well, you can tell them more. Okay, it's monthly. All right. It's on Nitrogen Sports Poker. You know what you got to do, though, to even be able to get in that tournament is use the link in the description when you sign up. And here's why you want to do that. Because that tournament is the boss. It costs yeah. 0.1 millibit. tournament, they call yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. Bruce Springsteen plays in it. He's one of the players. Um, you obviously, can't, You can't disprove that. 
Right, because it's all anonymous. Um, it only costs 0.1 millibits to get in, which these days is like, I don't know, 90 cents or something like that. And dude, it's a 100 millibit guarantee. Dude. That's like $1,000 or so. I guess 900 if, at the same rates I was doing it. Yeah, that's weird that you chose those two yeah, numbers. Because yeah, it's bigger. I rounded up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds better. It's like a dollar and a thousand bucks. Um, and we all, the most we've ever gotten is like 73 players. It's incredible. That's like you're getting 14 to 1 on your money. You're crazy not to be playing it. It's super easy. Link in the description. Use it. Yeah. Use it. Get you some nitrogen. Get you some nitro. One of the essential elements that makes up our bananas galaxy yeah that makes up our bananas yeah i mean bananas have lots of amino acids in them you probably knew that i i think about that a lot yeah it actually has the um the main building block amino acids so you can in theory only eat bananas for the rest of your life and be just fine prove it <laughs> oh what do you think i've been doing buddy check tell him what color my shirt is right now his shirt is yellow yes it is, is so that, that's representative <laughs> of your banana infatuation it's not an infatuation it's a long-term commitment okay i'm married to bananas yeah i mean it's a long-term it, commitment it, uh, the same way that that woman who went on one date with that guy and then sent him sixty-five thousand texts it had a long-term commitment is it like that <laughs> it's in her, I mean, she obviously saw something in this guy, right? And uh, I feel like it's yeah. defensible. She also broke into his house and was in his bathtub when mm. he returned. She really believed they had a different kind of connection than I guess he thought they had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that might be you and bananas. <laughs> bananas might not be so interested in you wearing a yellow shirt to represent your love for bananas, you know? You got to think about that. This is sort of yellow-orange, too. This isn't really just Are you saying yellow. you also eat oranges? Are you just kind of... Just yeah, I did until recently. Love that citrus. <laughs> All right, anyway, let's get back to the hand. Mm. Um, it is now on the turn. We have 11,500 in the pot after the flop action. We have queen nine for Ellen Hu in the big blind. Scott Seaver with king, queen off. Garrett with king six of spades. Queen deuce seven, rainbow flop. One spade for Garrett. Uh, the turn... Darn it, I didn't write the turn down. Why really? Do I keep doing that. It's a three. It's a three. That's correct. Yeah. And it's not a spade. Right. Yeah. It's a three of non-spades. You got it. Thanks, Jonathan. I remember. Uh, three diamonds, I think. And this is where things get pretty interesting. Seaver checks. Who checks? This is the plan against Garrett, right? You, of course. You got to let him do it. Yeah. But you'd think Garrett's going to give up a lot now. Now that there's two players who have called him on the flop, it was a super dry board. They obviously have something. We don't block top pair. That's Honestly, bad. as Scott, it, the whole thing sort of sucks where you're like, now it's going to check through. Garrett really can't bluff into two players very often, and it's hard for me to get value from my hand, although it was hard anyway. Yeah, it was hard. So whatever. Yeah. Well, Garrett's going to bet, which mm. is a strange decision in the first place, I think. Yes. I mean, if he picked up a spade, it would make sense. If he hit a king, it would make sense. But once you get called in two spots, I think it's give up time most of the time. It's really weird to decide to continue. It's not even an ace. Like an ace, maybe you could consider betting, you know? I mean, Alan, who almost always has a queen here, right? When yes. he overcalls? Yes. Maybe he could have, it's hard to come up with anything, two tens that he, or two nines or something like that, that he didn't three bet pre. But like, maybe you could have ace seven. I mean, he usually has a queen. Yeah, he usually does. And Seaver is mostly queens also, right? Like, yeah. See, yeah. I mean, seven, eight suited pocket eights and queens. That's most of it, right? Six, seven suited probably yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Just not too much. Well, 
Garrett does realize that his opponent's ranges are such that normal betting isn't going to get it done right. against them if he's going to bluff. And I give him credit for this because he bets 18,000 into 11.5. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty unusual. interesting. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. What is, what is he saying to his opponents when he does that? Well, what he's trying to say is he's trying to say, I have a very big hand and I'm trying to get massive value, right? Yeah, he's saying, I have aces and I know you have one pair usually and it's a queen a lot of the time for one of you. Right. I guess I always just wonder in these spots, and I know some people do this with big hands, don't get me wrong, but when good players do this with big hands, oftentimes they they don't have what they're repping though, right? Because why would you, like, wouldn't you be afraid if you bet this much with aces that you'd be blowing one pair out of the pot? I'd love, I'd love to know if Garrett actually would bet this much with aces. I think, yeah. he, I think he might. If he's actually doing it with aces, fair enough. But he needs to do it with more than aces, by the way. But whatever, like strong hands. Like ace-queen plus, let's say. Yeah. Because he's going to have a lot of bluffs where he's doing it too, clearly, right? Yeah. I just, it just feels like he's so hard to get value with, with your with good hands. Also. Yeah, no, of course. Right, you could do it with your sets. but Or your... To, you know, top two or something like that. But again, like what's supposed to call you? It's just yeah. hard to come up with things. Well, I mean, you have a reputation and that's a problem for when you're bluffing, I guess. I feel like what's going on almost is like Garrett's trying to blow Scott off his hand because he's got Alan behind him and he feels Alan isn't that strong. Maybe yeah. Alan he thinks is going to call much lighter on the flop. Something well, like that. All that said, I think the problem is not that he picks this size. I actually think the size is much better than going small mm-hmm. because... I, it's never going to work against these ranges. When Agreed. You go small. Agreed. Like never. never. Just so no. So if you're going to do it, you have to you have to size it up. I yeah. agree with that. Uh, the problem is just betting in general. I right. think it's just a mistake. It seems like it can't be right. Yeah. Like it just seems like you're throwing money into the abyss here. Scott has a good hand. Alan has at least almost always a queen. Alan is probably rich and doesn't care about the money. Like, what are we hoping is going to happen? Yeah, and by the way, Scott has sets in his range for sure. On this drive aboard, he's not going to check raise a set that right. frequently against Garrett Adelstein. I, I wouldn't think so. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. Scott may call again and not even raise. When Garrett bets this much? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like there's anything to worry about as far as like somebody improving randomly. I guess it's possibly Garrett, Garrett could have four or five and have picked up an open ender, but like so be it. Yeah, whatever. Like yeah. we're just going to, who cares? Like we got to, that's not how you'd, I think I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you. Right. So, yeah, I think it's just kind of a mistake to bet, but I do like that he chooses the big size. He at least gives himself a chance to get these guys to fold. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we, we've been talking, you and I, both on the podcast and off the podcast recently about sort of trying to, people trying to get like, or us trying to get correct frequencies and thinking about poker from a frequency perspective, meaning like, how much of my range am I betting on this street, yeah. basically, right? And it feels like Garrett is really not doing that here. Right. Because, like, Garrett almost certainly would not continue. This This would be one of the hands you are checking on the turn. You have to put some hands in your check range. Might even be checking on the flop. Absolutely. Might but even he, be but a, he, tier, a tier worse. You it know? may be. But even if it made it into your flop betting range, you've got to give up on something in the hands, and this would absolutely be one of the easiest hands to give up on. Yeah. Like, it certainly goes in your give up, give up range. So it's really weird that Garrett's not doing that yeah. to me. I don't understand what's, what's going on or why he'd bet this. Well, he's not giving himself a very good price, but he's not giving his opponents a very good price either. That's true. 18K into 11.5. He's saying, well, I mean, what he's doing, I guess he's sitting there thinking, this makes sense to some degree. You guys usually have one pair, right? Like, yeah. So how much, do you want to play a huge pot for one pair? Because that's what I'm going to, now that's what we're doing. Yep. You know, so he's like, because not only, because the other thing about this bet is it doesn't just, it isn't just 18,000. It's 18,000 with a river bet to come. 
and the threat of a river about to come, I should say. Yeah. Which would probably be pretty big if he's got a, a huge hand, right? Yeah. So now you have to worry about that too. Like if you're Seaver, you're like, cool, I call 18,000 and now I'm going to have to face like 40K on the river or 60K on the, or maybe 100K on the river. I don't know. He's going to bet huge. Like, do I want to do all that? Do I want to deal with that? I mean, it doesn't sound super fun. No. I think Garrett Edelstein, I keep saying Edelstein or Edelstein. I don't remember how to say it. I don't know how to say it's it. It's one of those things. Anyway, Garrett, I feel like his technical ability in poker, not necessarily ability, but the actual way he applies technical skill in poker must be a losing strategy over time if people are playing correctly against him. Mm-hmm. It's possible that he's profitable anyway because he's always playing these super high stakes, super deep stack games, and the money scaredness works in his advantage enough that he is profitable. These plays are more profitable than they should be. It's also, you know, hard to play well against, you know, hard to play correctly against this stuff. Yeah. Like, if you don't have your own frequencies, like, locked in and you're really clear about it, you know, you're getting exploited. And so if if you overfold. Right. You know, if you don't overfold, then if you overcall, if you call too much, then you're probably going to do pretty well against Garrett, I would think, until he realizes that. And then maybe he switches it up against you. But in general... Like, I would guess people probably overfold, especially like to big bets on the river and no limit. Like, yeah. most good players know they're not supposed to call big bets on the river without a very strong hand against most players, right? Yep. So, even like, forget about percentages, forget about frequencies, forget about everything. It doesn't matter. You just bet really big on the river. Usually they have it when they do that. It's profitable to fold. Yep. So, a guy like Garrett maybe can just take advantage of that and has been his whole for years, would be my yeah. guess. But we've we've seen before on on the show that it doesn't always work you know it didn't mm-hmm. work against Dan Zach right yeah who right. is you know he's got to pick the people who are actually money scared mhm but Dan even Dan Zach though thought about it for a long time yeah so like it was close and Dan Zach really good and not money scared as far as we know yeah that by the way was uh king queen also Dan Zach had yeah. king queen yeah top pair again right yeah yeah okay anyway what do you think Scott Seaver should do it's a it's a weird spot. I think as Scott Seaver, we assume we're not too worried about Allen, first of all. No, we don't think Allen has a set or two pair or anything once he just calls the flop. Allen is more likely to raise than like his strong hands. Yeah. So Allen almost never has ace queen. We're fine against Allen. Yeah. So we're not so it's like so almost we can almost play this this hand as if Allen doesn't exist right now, which is pretty cool. Yep. Um if we if we decide to call, let's say, and Allen calls also now we have to start thinking about Allen again but usually he's just not going to call about this big when we right. call i mean we could be really unlucky and Allen could have queen three suited right turn two pair he's probably going to raise yeah. we're going to instantly fold if this guy does anything else but it seems crazy to to worry about him right now okay let's, so let's that's not. that's part one okay yeah. second question as you're saying is so what what should we do yeah it seems absurd to fold this hand right now to me yeah based on the dryness of the board like we talked about on the flop that puts this hand pretty high in our distribution. I mean, well, our distribution that from continuing on the flop, I don't know how high it puts it up, actually. Remember, we were saying if yeah, some well, sevens, pocket eights, and now we're at queens, right? Um, yeah, but it's a, a we have queen 10 suited in our range, right? And queen 9 suited. Queen 10, queen jack. I don't know if we have queen 9 suited in the small blind. We have queen jack off, though. I guess we probably do if we have yeah. king queen. So we have those hands. We might have ace queen. We might have sets. That's about it, right? Yeah. And so this is at least like halfway up our distribution, maybe higher, probably yeah. higher. Okay. And like seven, eight suited, six, seven suited are in their flop calling range for sure. Yeah. Pocket eights. And we know if as Seaver, if we can have nines here sometimes and tens here sometimes or not. Yeah. Right? And if we can, 
then okay, that's in our that's in here too, and we beat all that. We're better than that all too. And it's Garrett freaking Adelstein. It's Garrett Adelstein. I don't know how we're supposed to fold. Like the whole point was, remember we did this whole thing about like, oh, one of the ways to win a big pot against Garrett is to check call. Yep. Hey, look what's happening. It's an opportunity it's a to big check pot call. Now. Big pot. You know, be careful what you wish for and all that. I understand, yep. but like. That's the point of this, of playing it this way, is to induce, right? So yeah. we're, we're succeeded. So it seems absurd to play this hand this way in fold. So I think we just have to call. Somehow, without a three-bet preflop, Garrett is betting 44 blinds on the turn. That's pretty crazy. Yes. That is pretty crazy. Well, he got, you know, two callers on both streets before, which is almost like it's been three-bet, and now he's over-betting. Yeah. But still, it's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, Scott decides to call. I think yeah. you have to against Garrett. I think so, too. It sucks. Well, especially still, even though I said that whole thing about Allen, it still sucks to have Allen there. There's yeah. still a chance he's going to say he's going to make it, you know, 60000 and you're just like, roll your eyes. You're like, well, that was, that was $18,000 I didn't have to lose. Yep. You know? But we don't have to worry about Allen. Allen folds. It's a pretty easy fold yeah. when, when Scott calls there. You have to consider calling against Garrett if, if Seaver folded. I think he probably would call against yeah. Garrett. Probably. Probably. So this just wasn't going to work out for Garrett. Right. But it was a good try. It was a heck of a try. Yeah. And what are you supposed to do? I mean, look, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> I would have given up on the turn for sure. Yeah. 100%. I'm actually not sure if I would have opened this hand. I guess if there are antes, I probably would have. I'm not sure if I would have bet, see bet the flop. I, it's really close. And I never would have never would have bet the turn. Well, Garrett is Garrett. Yes. He's doing it differently, which is fine. Yep. And uh, so Seaver's called. And now the pot is huge. It's $47,500. How much does Seaver have left? Like 112 or something? Uh, yeah, something around there. He yeah. started with 133, so a yeah. bit less than that. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, Stack's not at risk unless Garrett goes nuts, which sometimes he does. Yeah, I mean, as Scott, we're really hoping he doesn't, like, 2x the pot here or something. Yep. That'd be great if he could not 2x the pot. All right, so the river is the three of clubs. Okay. Pretty good card. That for pairs the board. Seaver. But it pairs the turn card, which yeah. is different than pairing a flop card. Right. Um, and it, there's no flush that came in. There's no straight that came in. It's a very dry card. Mm-hmm. Scott checks again. I don't see what else you can do once Garrett overbets the pot on the turn. Absolutely. And Garrett doesn't give up, obviously. Well, I mean, we're here, I guess. Yeah. I mean, look, the thing that's, that we as Garrett know is for sure is that three never helps Scott. Yes. It's impossible for that three to help Scott. That three could help Garrett. Yeah, he could have ace three suited or something and have bet the flop and then bet the turn. He's going to turn his pair into a bluff on the turn for all the same reasons yeah. that he bet anyway. And now he's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Because now he's betting with some equity. That's You could say I have five outs to improve even with my ace right. three. Right, and whatever. Garrett even could have a three in this hand. And I think I bet he could have king three suited also. Um, I mean, he probably can. Yeah, because as we know from that Dan Zach hand, Garrett took a very strange hand and made a pot size bet on the turn with it when he had queen nine mm-hmm. on... Uh, yeah. On a king nine X board. And he like got checked to on the turn and bet pot, which was super. It was a jack on the turn, by the way. Super weird. It was very weird. So we know Garrett's capable of having bluffs that just don't make normal sense. Yeah. Um, and sometimes those bluffs turn into value. Like if he had a three, that would be what happened here. Yeah. Now, that's a very minor concern for Scott, obviously. Absolutely. But when he bets, you know, if he's going to bet big. We know he's going to bet big. It's Garrett. The, like, right. We were just watching this and. You know, Seaver has more than twice pot back. He has over 100K left, 47,500 in the middle. And I was like, is, is Garrett just going to go all in here? Yeah, I thought it was possible. Is he just going to go all in I thought he for was going twice to. the pot? He didn't. Than, he didn't, no. He bet 50K. Right. Which is still more than the pot. Yes. He's bet more than the pot here. 
Is this a good idea by Garrett? Okay. Well, let's, let's, we can narrow down Scott's range pretty dramatically now, first of all, right? Yeah, he has no trips in his range. We know that. Right. The hands that are extreme problems for us are sevens full and deuces full. Which Scott, <laughs> yeah, those are problems. Which Scott could very easily play this way. He can have those. Yeah. Besides those hands, though, he basically only ever has a queen, and it's a pretty good queen. Yep. He doesn't really have any sevens left. I think he's probably folding a seven on the turn with ease. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Like, guaranteed. He's got, like, I think as Garrett, we're saying there, it looks like Scott has queen jack suited. Yeah, we're targeting pretty much what Scott has. Yeah. Yeah. Scott's, like, slightly better than that, but it's like... Can you really call me with Queen Jack suited here? Seems hard. So that so that's what he's that's what's going on. Then the question is, is this a good idea to go after Queen Jack suited? Well, I think if you're Garrett, it's a pretty interesting proposition. Because we can let's let's talk about the hands we have for value here. Okay. I think we have ace three suited. I think I think we probably do. I think we have King three suited. Okay. I think we have three four suited. Okay. I think we have three five suited. Sure. I think we have deuces. I think we have sevens. I yeah. think we have queens. Yes. So that's a decent amount already. What about aces, kings, and ace, queen? I think we have all of those. Okay. I think that's probably true. Yeah. So that's a decent amount of value right there. That's a lot of value. Yeah. And the problem for Scott is that it's not like Garrett makes sense with his bluffs. So he can show up with king six suited here. We just don't know how many true combos there are of bluffs. This is the thing, right? We can come up with a lot of value. Yeah that could take this line. Although we're not sure if he's going to bet the threes on the turn. And we're not sure if he's going to overbet the one pair of hands like aces and kings and ace queen to this amount. But it's at least possible all those things I are I think he play. probably would go for it. It's certainly possible. Yeah. Um, and we're not sure if he's really going to bet a tray on the turn. But certainly some of like, since we're not sure, we'll give him some of those. Right? Yeah. Um, that's a lot of value. And like you just said, there's no bluffs except the air bluffs. Yeah. So that's a problem when he bets a little more than the pot. I guess the question becomes... He needs to have more than like 33% air. I guess the question in my mind is, Seaver, would, would be, is Garrett kind of weighted towards bluffs on the turn when he bets that size on the right. turn? Because like we can see exactly why Garrett's betting that much because he got called in two spots on a very dry board. So he's like, I guess I have to bet a lot to get him to fold. Right. Like, and that feels like the most logical reason for the big bet in yeah. the thought process, which might just give us more thought that Garrett has bluffs here. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, you can always reverse that, you know, or go yeah. one level deeper and say, well, yeah, but now it looks like I'm trying to get him to fold so I can go for incredible value with my really strong hands, you know, and get yep. called. And, and that, so then, Seaver, you could sort of logic that out either way, and I don't know how you're supposed to pick which right. it is based on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I have seen selected Garrett hands. I haven't seen, like, him play for hours in a row or anything like that. So... In my mind, he's just always doing stuff like this. He and must it's, not. It's be, like though. you have to call if you're Scott Seaver, but he must not be because Scott Seaver is clearly paying attention and he is tanking. And right it's now. been five hours. They've yeah. been playing for five hours. If Garrett was making lots of big river bets, Scott would call pretty quickly. Yes, he'd but be like he, call. Instead, he's like he's he's tortured by this decision, which means Garrett's doing a better job of tri- you know his triple bearing frequencies than it may seem like based right. on our very small sample size. Yeah. I mean, he may actually have a range for his triple barrel bluffs. Mm-hmm. Like, King Six suited may fall into that range in some way that we don't understand because he constructed it so that nobody could figure it out. You know, that type of thing. Well, he's succeeding. Yeah, because I definitely don't know why he would do it. Yeah. Um, all right, so what do you think Scott should do? Man. Let's start I, with the distribution argument. 
It's a good place okay, to start. Okay, against, good. Good. Against, That's a good place to start because I was not. I wasn't. I was just thinking about how many bluffs Garrett has to how much value. But all right, against with, a hyper aggro like Garrett, where it's like doesn't always make sense. Let's start with distribution. Great. Okay. So as Scott, we have to ask ourselves: How often do we really have sets of sevens and sets of deuces? I think we have them a significant amount of the time. Okay. Uh, like as played. Okay. Can't give ourselves all of them, but we let's give ourselves. You want to give ourselves like two thirds of them or something like yeah, that? Yeah, four. Okay, four four combos of that. After that, we never really have aces. We never really have kings. No, I don't think so. Maybe we have ace queens sometimes, but not very often. Yeah, I think we can give ourselves maybe a third of the ace queens. Okay, so that's um, there were twelve ace queens left, right? Yeah. No, no, no. We have no. We have a queen in our hand. No, no. That's okay. doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, so there's 12 ace queens. We give ourselves a, that's four. So now we're yep. up to eight combos. That's, so that's eight combos of hands that are better than ours. Yep. And then worse than ours, we have queen 10 suited. Yes. Queen jack suited. Don't forget. Or queen jack. Yeah, queen 10 suited and queen jack. So queen 10 suited is four combos. There's uh, a queen on the board. Uh, three combos, yeah. yeah. And queen jack is 12 combos. Right. So that's 15. That are worse. Right. So we're um, a little bit better than... We're, we're, not th- we're not in the middle. We're a little better than in the middle. Yeah. But we're not way up there. Right. But we're getting, a, for that, we're getting a good enough price. So if we're just thinking about it from a point of view of our hand and our distribution and all of that, we're supposed to call. Yes. Okay. So that's a good starting point. Yeah. Second question, though, goes back to what we were just saying is, does Garrett really have enough bluffs that we can call here? Like, right. Because if he doesn't, none of this matters, right? If he's never bluffing or if he's almost never bluffing, then this is just a bad call. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a really tough spot. I think just because the board is so dry, I might lean towards folding because even though it's Garrett, yeah. it's like I can't even begin to fathom the construction of a bluffing range. So exactly. Like, so it's maybe that this is a spot where that's enough of a factor for me to fold, even if I'm wrong sometimes, you know. I think it's fair. I think and, it's really fair. I'm, and also, we can come with a lot of value that he can right. have. And when you can go with a lot of value and no bluffs, that's bad. And it's interesting, Scott... Scott genuinely thinks this is a coin flip for sure because of what he does. Yeah. He, he kind of secretly puts the calling chips in one hand and the other hand is empty and he holds them out to another player at the table named Jack, I think. I didn't yeah. see who it was. He says, Jack, pick a hand. Jack picks the empty hand and Scott immediately folds. Right. I'm, I, I think he was legitimately going to immediately call if he picked the other I hand. I think so. I He's think like, he felt it was that close. That's a pretty pretty lucky pull for Garrett there that the guy picked the empty hand. He immediately feast, fist bumps Jack yeah. and starts talking about how uh, how great that was for him. And Scott has a face. Scott yeah. was like like does a flutter of his eyes that are like oh no like angry and upset with him. You know. I mean Scott Seaver always has an air of like suffering the mere mortals around him. Mm. You know what I mean? And especially after he loses a pot. Yeah. Yeah. So it worked, and I think. I think it was a kamikaze play by Garrett, but at the same time, Scott is pretty capped except for the sets. So if he's going to fold king queen, that's pretty good. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Um, I think you've really won the day as Garrett, if that's the case. And this, this goes back to when you're up against a guy like Garrett, maybe you don't have to, maybe you shouldn't be asking these questions of like, what are the bluffs? Because we've seen... Here's a bluff that doesn't make any sense. The hand against Dan Zach that we did recently doesn't make any sense at all. Like right. he's got an, he's got a second pair on the border and on the board on the turn and he bets big and then bets huge on the river too. And it's like what how you can't ever see that coming. Yeah. Which I think is part of his plan actually is like good luck figure out the bluffs, buddy. Yeah. You know? But like so if a guy's doing that, then you can't worry about what the bluffs are. You can only worry about where does this fall in my distribution? I need to call with a certain frequency to make this 
you know, to not be just getting crushed by this guy. So I'm going to call with a certain amount of my hands. Where does this fall? Does this fall in the group that would be calling or not? And that's it. Yeah. It's the only way to play against a guy like this. Look, having seen this hand now, if I was up against Garrett, I'd, I feel like just a prisoner of that. And sometimes I'd be like, I call. And yeah. Like a huge bet on the river and you like roll your eyes because you feel like, I don't know how I could be good here. Right. But I have top pair and against you, I'm just not supposed to fold right now, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's easy as the observer here to give Garrett way too many bluffs. Yes. Because we know he just has random bluffs. That might mean he has like 170 bluff combos. You but, know? It, but it may not. It may not. He may yeah. have two, He may have the right number of bluff combos. Yeah. Or it's possible this is actually a profitable fold by Scott. Yeah. But I doubt it from having watched Garrett play a lot. You know? Right. I doubt it. But it's also, but we only ever see the really showy hands that Garrett plays. Right. Of course. So maybe he just, he has this gear, but it doesn't mean he's doing it all the time, but it feels like he's doing it all the time. The way he carries himself and all of that. Yeah. He's going more capable than most people. Which That's means for sure. If he's more capable, you just have to find some calls well, and spots that are I mean, tight. There is definitely indication that Scott is aware of that, of course, and that like, there's a lot of players that he would probably fold the turn to. And yeah. that he, if he didn't fold the turn to, he would fold the river too easily. But how much does it suck? call the turn only to fold the river and be wrong. Like you put in all this money, it sucks a lot. setting this whole thing up and then making the wrong decision anyway. And the very thing you engineered happened. And now you're like, I don't know if I can call. I mean, I've been there. Don't get yeah, me wrong, of course. but it sucks. It does. It sucks. Leave it to Seaver to be sad after mm. he gets bluffed. More annoyed than sad. I think. Yeah. More like that guy's an idiot. Probably everybody's an idiot, but me, I'm Scott Seaver. I don't know if he was thinking that. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> maybe. Maybe he's like, you shouldn't have any bluffs there. He maybe, oh, obviously, you should, though. You maybe he's like, Phil Galfon's worth talking to, but you know, I'm, I'm still... He's not here. I'm, I'm way smarter than everybody. <laughs> 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 all right, we're done. Okay. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave him tongue-tied. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. and gonna be traveling the globe.